Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by Chris Velasco for Dauntless. It's an online action RPG with crossplay from Phoenix Labs. You get together with your buddies and you track down and fight these giant behemoths, they're called, just these big boss fights. Dauntless originally released in 2019, and Chris has been the composer from the start. He recently released Dauntless Volume 3, and that's a collection of some of his newest music for the game, including music from some of the special events that Dauntless has had, like around holidays and and fun things like that. The music of Dauntless is designed to be locationless, so meaning Chris didn't use instruments in a way to elicit a certain response from the listener, like... He didn't use an instrument to make you feel like you're in the desert or whatever. Uh, he, he's combining instruments however he wants, and he describes this way better than I just did. Way better. So keep an ear out for his explanation of that, but it's really neat how he can just choose his instrumental palette regardless of, you know, making you think of a place, if that makes sense. So join us on Discord. Talk to us about this episode and any of the others. Uh, you'll find a link in the show notes. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. This conversation is there as well. And if you're able to support us financially, that would be fantastic. You can find us at patreon.com slash level. All right, here is Chris Velasco talking about Dauntless Volume 3. Dauntless has been around for um, for a number of years now. Um, it's a kind of a multiplayer online RPG uh, fighting game, but not like not like Mortal Kombat fighting. But you like go out and explore and, and hunt these behemoths that are ravaging the skies. And so I've I've been working on Dauntless since day one and pitched um, against a lot of really amazing composers that I'm just finding out that are reaching out to me now. And they're like, Hey, congrats on volume three and, you know, trying to get into the Grammys. And, uh, and by the way, I pitched on that and I was like, whew, glad I didn't know that would have freaked me out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's been this amazing ride for, for like five years. And there has to be like four hours of music in the game now, probably if not more. And yeah, this volume three represents the the latest music that I've written for the game. Um, there's still actually tons of unreleased music, but um, yeah, you, you mentioned, you know, very specific things. So, so I got to do kind of the Halloween theme for uh, when the, the city that you, you kind of originate in is called Ramsgate and they change it into this thing called dark harvest during the, the month of October. And so that was like, violin solo and, and some of the theremin always trying to find a, a home for theremin whenever possible and then there's like some i'm sure you heard the christmas tunes also which yes um super fun to do you know go into home alone mode and 
that's obviously for the for the Christmas season. And then one of them was like called Snowball Fight, and it's a little mini game where, I mean, it's exactly what it sounds like. So, yeah, um, yeah, and that, those are great to get to do all these different styles on top of the, you know, the the classic action adventure combat. You know, yeah. throw the kitchen sink at it. Yeah, and I love the, the, the holiday music. I like laughed out loud because I didn't have the track list up. I was listening and, you know, doing other things as I was listening. And and I was just suddenly just kind of um, not distracted by it, but it caught my attention. And I was like, this sounds like Christmas. And then I looked at the track name and it's like, I can't remember right now. Let me see if I wrote it down. Uh, a merry frost fall, and I was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> so very effective, right? And I'd love to talk more about those elements that make it sound like Christmas music. Like, what have we been trained to hear to 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 be like? Oh, yeah, that's that's holiday music. Well, it's one hundred percent sleigh bell. Yeah, right. <laughs> Next question. You throw no. a sleigh bell. On- <laughs> You know, that's a really good question. And it's one of those ones that I don't have an immediate answer for because mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, what what makes something sound like like Christmas? And um, I mean, for sure, it's jokingly, but yeah, it is Sleigh Bell. You, you add that yeah. in and it can't be anything else. Right. I think just a sense of frivolity, maybe. But but then ever since kind of Nightmare Before Christmas, you can throw in some kind of quirky dark undertones and it still mm-hmm. feels Christmassy, but it's like, Oh, it's that kind of Christmas. Yeah. Um, it's Festivus. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm stumped. I don't know how you make something sound like Christmas, but you just, you just do and you hear it and you go, Oh yeah. Christmas. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned home alone too, like that idea of that, uh, you know, soundtrack. And, and I think, you know, if I think of a, a lot of holiday E kind of movie music, like that. Oh, yeah, you know, that all kind of stems from from like Tchaikovsky, yeah. Nutcracker. And so, yeah, we all kind of grew up listening, or a lot of us grew up listening to Nutcracker during Christmas. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, I think, trained our ear to be the sound of Christmas, maybe. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So back to Dauntless as a whole, you said several, you said five years you've been on it, or has it been a little longer than that? It, uh, might have been a little longer, but okay. it was five. Okay, five years. So, you know, clearly if you listen to volume three now, it sounds very different than volume one um, in terms of, you know, instrumentation and just the tone and the scope. So I'd love to hear you talk about kind of the evolution of the music over the time that you've spent with it. Yeah, well, 
a lot of things have happened and, and volume one is definitely kind of a bit more laid back, maybe not so in your face action. And when we first started Dauntless, there's kind of this mandate when, when figuring out what the sound of Dauntless is, um, where we're like, we don't want any sort of references to particular cultures or regions in the world. Mm-hmm. It needs to sound all encompassing sort of so and what that kind of means is you know western european sort of orchestral but but not going too heavy down like a kind of lord of the rings path we we wanted it to sound like oh like found sound so i i made lots of instruments and um you know made instruments but i just yeah like would find stuff around the studio to bang on and and that was like all the percussion is me just banging on stuff and i had you know, wind chimes and I would shake and I bow things that aren't supposed to be bowed and uh, and just weird stuff and trying to and give the soundtrack kind of a an eclectic vibe, but kind of a like this is not your your modern orchestra sound. Yeah. Um, and then as Dauntless evolved as a game, just being this live service, we just kind of in part due to the behemoths getting bigger and the gameplay being more sort of action oriented. And then there's also the players saying, Oh, this, you know, we wish the music was, was bigger. And, um, <laughs> and at first we're like, ah, you know, they're not making the decisions. We're, we're making the decisions. <laughs> but over time it's like, well, let's just, you know, yeah, let's throw them a bone. Let's do something cool like this. And, and there was a, a good response to it. And just, there was never a, a moment of like, okay, we're doing the music like this now. It just kind of over these five years has evolved into what it is now. Mm-hmm. And that kind of means whatever I honestly feel like doing. Um, so we can have, you know, synth in there now. doesn't matter. I did something with, you know, pipe organ and piano. Totally fine for Dauntless now. Yeah. Um, that one track you mentioned, Gamelon. There's like Gamelon and Bulgarian choir. Yeah. And because uh, we were just looking at this this creature that was kind of nicknamed the living blade at the time, which is what I named the track. And it was very like kind of precise in its movements, very like samurai. Like it has these kind of blades for arms and it's kind of this dance. And I was talking to the, to the art director about it. And, and he's like, you know, it's just so different from all the other behemoths that just like charge at you and, and overpower you. This guy's very, very thoughtful and methodical and we need something totally left field for this guy and yeah um and i had been listening to like some some gamelon and and i Mm. mentioned it and he's like oh my god that'd be amazing and and then he was talking about listening to this bulgarian choir and it's like you know i've never heard bulgarian choir and gamelon together that could be really cool And in the end, I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. I, I think that there are probably a lot of people who haven't heard Bulgarian Choir with Gamelon. And and it does sound, uh, it's awesome. I, I really loved that track. And don't you do something, uh, there's a track called The Middleman where 
there's kind of a gamelani thing happening. There's no choir, I don't think, in that track, but like there's some mm-hmm. kind of some kind of bells or something happening in that track. The middleman. Let me listen to it. <laughs> just calling me a liar. Okay, it's just synth stuff, right? Yeah. Synth-y yeah, there's, a, there's like some synth bell stuff. Yeah, synthy bells. Yeah, so forgive me for for that um, discretion, but but yeah, I <laughs> but yeah, I loved the combination of the gamelan with the with the choir, and uh, and let's talk about the choir for a minute because they do have pretty prominent role in this soundtrack. So I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about how that all happened, and and uh, yeah, just tell me about that. Choir is I love writing for choir. They're just kind of the logical next step once you you have to take something over the top. You know, it's like you can have the orchestra playing tutti and like how do you how do you elevate it to to be even bigger? And that's just kind of the take it to eleven, you know, thing that yeah. that you know everybody does and I've been doing since the first God of War. And I just love writing for choirs so much. They are uh, much more difficult to record than orchestras, though, mm. and so that's a that's a little tip for anybody recording choir: like schedule more time than you think you need. Interesting. Why do you think that is? Tell me more about that. They don't always. Uh, it's not like just putting the page down in front of, you know, a string section where they can just read that thing instantly. Right. And you know, by take two, three, you're like perfect. Let's just move on. Yeah. Like choir, you know, they've got their choir director who plays everything out for them and it's almost like i know they're reading but it seems to be almost a bit of like memorization before they're they're ready Mm -hmm. to go Mm -hmm. um and that's why too like i'm glad for my sort of classical training background and learning my my voice leading from bach chorales and uh (laughs) because if you do too many wacky things with inner voices especially like it is just going to be train wreck city it's um, I find that you really need to learn how to write for choir specifically yeah. to get the best results. There's also a lot of really great bass clarinet, especially in a, a tune called uh, Through the Brambles and Briar. It kind of starts off, and then there's some really cool stuff about a minute in as well with bass clarinet. So tell me about deciding to highlight that particular instrument, yeah. That creature is this big, um, this like enormous like mushroom monster kind of thing, <laughs> and completely unique in Dauntless as far as the behemoths go, because usually they're like uh, bipedal or, or four-legged things or, or flying things. And we've never had this this monster that was like rooted into the ground and his environment is all like mushrooms and fungus and everything. And um, But I just looked at him like, wow, it's, we need like a woody sound. Yeah. Um, and I love bass clarinet and contrabassoon. I love them together. And so the beginning is that it's got the contrabassoons, and I recorded them a couple times too to to layer them up mm-hmm. and just do this choir of like deep, grumbly woodwinds.
And then there's a lot of uh, didgeridoo in there as well. Oh, sweet. That I did not play. I have a didgeridoo. I, I tried to play it. It was in the correct key as well for me, but I'm. Uh, it's very hard to play. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, yes. That's where, you know, these, like, wonderful samples we're all blessed with now come in great. And so, yeah, this I was able to, you know, which you could never do with a, an actual didgeridoo, but I was able to play melodies, you know, with a didgeridoo. And, and it's just one more, like, really cool, low, woodwindy sound that, that I thought mixed really well with, with bassoons and, and bass clarinets. Right. And with a boss that is rooted or a behemoth that's rooted like that, it, it also does give this impression of weight and being kind of bogged down in a way, you know, just the the, the weight of the base of those instruments. So that's that's really effective. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a really cool track. <laughs> <laughs> And tell me about the string soloist that's in Unseen Ritual. This is the one we referenced a little bit earlier that you wrote for Halloween that has violin. There's theremin that kind of shadows some violin parts, which is a really cool texture. Um, but there's also uh, harpsichord in there, which is amazing. Oh, yeah, a so, bit. yeah. So, so <laughs> tell me about uh, tell me a little bit more about that, in particular the the violin soloist, if you would. Yeah. Well, I, I love that kind of. Halloweeny, but not like not horror, just like fun Halloween, yeah, kind of witchcrafty, you know, witches flying on brooms, sort of sort of thing, yeah. Um, and the soloist is by my friend Nicole Garcia, and okay. she has played all my violin solos on like everything I've ever done. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, we even we grew up together and and happened to be in college together at the same time without even knowing. Um, eventually knowing, but, but didn't know that we were going to run into each other there. And then, yeah, now she's a professional session player. And, uh, so anytime I'm able, I, I hire her to play the solos. Um, so yeah, there's a few violin solos. I don't think any more on, on volume three, but volume two, there was one and just recorded something else. And she had like some crazy solos. Yeah. I just know that I can, you know, write whatever I feel like and she's going to be able to, to figure it out and play it. Broadly, with regards to the soundtrack, um, talk to me about the recording sessions. You know, given the challenges over the last couple of years, like how did that affect, or did that affect, uh, any of this process of getting this music done? <laughs> yeah, big time. <laughs> I have finally just did my my first in person session a few weeks ago, <laughs> but we were doing everything overseas, and I even canceled a couple of sessions because 
even though they were willing to do it at the end, I was like, Oh, I, you know, I'd follow the news like, Oh God, there's a COVID surge happening. And mm-hmm. you know, wherever um, we did this in Czech Republic, but I'd see like, Oh God, it's surging in Czech. Like, even if I know that they have to play and they have to make a living, but even if they are willing to take the risk, like I'm not willing to put someone in harm's way to record my music. Like that's, we can, we can just wait. There's way more important things. And, yeah. you know, not getting COVID is, is one of those more important things, but eventually, you know, they've, they figured things out and, you know, they, of course the winds and the brass can't do it, but the strings would mask up and, and you just make do, you know, it's maybe, maybe smaller ensembles. Um, mm-hmm. so you can get some spacing in there. Um, and yeah, that's what we did for, for Dauntless. Same thing with, you know, with choir too, like just space them out and just be safe and maybe fewer people, but the more takes in the end, it, it all sounds, it all sounds great. And like, I can't tell that like, maybe it was a smaller ensemble. Well, if I remember right, that's a particular skill of yours, uh, though, too, is to fool the listener, uh, which I think nowadays is a little easier to do than it was 10 years ago, let's say. But um, but am, am I not right that that's something you kind of uh, pride yourself on, for lack of a better term, <laughs> that that you're really you're really good at doing that anyway? Yeah. And, you know, there's we're not thickening it up either with samples like there are there are no other than percussion and. Oh, theremin, okay. harpsichord, you know, that all the traditional instruments are, are live in the okay. score. Yeah. Um, but it's a combination of, you know, doubling certain sections up mm-hmm. and, um, and then working with my orchestrator who, you know, we go through that and we figure out if you orchestrate it one way, it could sound really, really thin. And you're like, Oh, that's kind of a small group, but there are ways to, you know, to orchestrate that, that really make, make the whole thing just just bloom mm-hmm. and um and sound really really warm and, and and huge and that's um you know so that's what we do yeah yeah no it sounds it does sound like a giant orchestra it sounds fantastic um another track that i really loved the energy in uh it's probably zelia the far slayer is that how you say zelia's name x-e-l-y-a zelia uh, I think it's Zila. Z Z Oh, nice. <laughs> I go through this almost every interview, so it's okay. But that track, uh, it is just for reference number seven on the Dauntless <laughs> Volume Three soundtrack. Um I I loved the energy and there's some really cool flute in the beginning too. So tell me about, about that one. Yeah, so she is one of the, the NPCs in the game or the, the non playable characters and and one of these you know, one of these characters that you go up to in the city and and they'll be like, "Hey, come over, you know, talk to me." And yeah, and like, "Oh, here's a quest. Go get this thing. You know, I need I need ten legs from a whatever and a, and a tail from this thing." And yeah. um, and I, they, none of them had music uh, for for a long time. And then I just decided that it could be really cool to, you know, delve into their backstory because they, you know, they we have a writer. For Dauntless, and and there are there's all this like Dauntless lore out there, and um, so I wanted to you know dig into that, and it's like, well, well, who is she? Who are all these other people just giving you quests, and like, what are like, what's their history? Um, and so I wrote a like a theme for each NPC, and 
Some of them are in volume two, the rest are in volume three. And I remember she was this adventure and would go out and was like slain behemoth solo. And I, and I think this is the one where I wanted to write, you know, kind of a, a bit of an, an adventurous theme that was still felt, you know, not over the top, you know, she was more not Indiana Jones. She was more like, like Ray uh, from star Wars. Yep. And so that kind of thing, like, like, Oh, this is my personal journey and struggle. And, and I'm a, I'm a huntress, but, you know, but I got injured and now I'm here in town and like now you get to go out and get this stuff for me. There's another fun combination you do with Piccolo and Tuba, and that was... Oh, yeah, for Oz. <laughs> yeah, Curious Collections <laughs> is the name of that track, and then it switches to clarinet and tuba, but um, it's funny when they're paired together like that. I, I, I loved that. I love the tuba, and I it makes me sad that they usually just play, you know, the, <laughs> the tonic <laughs> and the dominant right. all the time, and so I love a good tuba melody um and it's funny because they they're not used to seeing them either and i was really you know this was just via video when we were recording this but i was looking at the tuba player (laughs) um i was like let's see like if they're happier but you know they switch the page and then it's you know this oz that well the character's name is oz Mm -hmm. and and it was suddenly like oh this guy like sits up a little straighter (laughs) (laughs) and uh everybody like we started the the track, you know, recording it, and everybody's like, "Oh my god, Mike got a Mike gets to play." And <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I love tuba and flute together, and tuba yeah. is way more agile than than most people think. They right. can do all kinds of stuff. And there's something that's like this character is kind of comical and there's just something that I feel is inherently funny about tuba and flute together. Yes. And, and, you know, that's just one of those orchestration things. Like, you know, it's like, what makes it sound like Christmas? Like, well, what makes music sound funny? And I know that tuba and flute are going to kind of sound funny. You're a gamer, uh, and I, I feel like the last time we were able to check in uh, was probably about Carrion, which was a great soundtrack. Um, and I think you were really, like, in VR world, having fun in VR world. So I'm curious, like, what you're, what you're playing these days and what you're doing. Um, 
I'm not going to tell you how many hours, but I have logged in considerable hours on Elden Ring. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, my friend. I did the same, although I did I did eventually stop. But have you finished? I mean, that seems right up your alley. I didn't finish. Okay. I was close to the end, apparently. And then I thought, you know, I don't want this to ever end. I'm yeah. having too much fun. I'm going to go back and search around and... And I feel, I'm so glad I did. I found so much stuff that I had missed, but I actually haven't played it in about two weeks. And I'm afraid if I don't pick it up again, it'll kind of be gone forever because yeah. um, I really want to finish it. Yeah. Yeah. Has that been what's been eating up your time in 2022 then is Elden Ring? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, of course, I say that seems right up your style because of the... I don't horror doesn't seem right to me in in the context of that game, but the maybe more macabre art is uh, a passion of yours as well. So, as an artist and or art curator, perhaps tell me about how that part of your uh, life has been going, and and what kinds of projects are you involved in with that? So, yeah, the the whole art scene got weird, you know, during the pandemic because sure. It's all about going to galleries and being with people and looking at art in person. Mm -hmm. And um, so that didn't happen. So I stopped curating shows. Um, it's Things are back now. Uh, and I, I actually just had a gathering here at our house um, on Sunday um, for a bunch of artists that are local here or that came in for the show and then collectors as well. And... Um, it's just like, what a great group of people. Like, like I hang out with artists and, and people that admire it like I do. And, and I walk away just like buzzing with creativity and, and, you know, I don't want them to leave but at the same time. I'm like, you got to get out of here. I've got all these ideas. I have to, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, if I, if I move over, you can, yep. you can see my studio is like pretty yep. full up with art it's beautiful. as well. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's, all over the place. Yep. Uh, but this is, it's kind of an unconventional studio, but I'm in here so long every day. Yeah. And I just like art really inspires me and I want to surround myself with things that, um, that are inspiring. And, and so, yeah, it's kind of a, an art gallery slash music studio. Yeah. Um, but I, I absolutely, uh, I'm going to start, I think, curating again. And okay. it's just, um, you know, it's just a fun little hobby that I do once a year. And it, it brings me closer to the art community and to the galleries. And um, yeah, it's just, it's super fun. been collecting when do you I mean you know I'm I'm sure there are various ways to answer that question but like you know the first time you spent a chunk on on a piece of art you know when was that yeah it was oh probably like 12 or 13 years ago yeah 
And was it mostly paintings at that point? Was it mostly paintings? Because I see you've got the statue behind you, and I know you have masks and other things, too. Oh, yeah. This guy is, like, from nothing. He's just a cool alien that I saw, and it's like, this guy wants to live in my studio. (laughs) This guy is from nothing. (laughs) But I didn't mean to derail you there. You were were talking. Yeah, go ahead. Um, No, it's been mostly, like, paintings and, and drawings, and I... Uh, I started getting into art. I've always been into art, but it was mm-hmm. more like, you know, the the kind of the obligatory like Salvador Dali prints that you have on the wall. Yeah. And, uh, you know, amongst the scream, like I had all that <laughs> on the walls growing up. And, and then I just went down this rabbit hole of, of art. And I, uh, I discovered this guy called Richard Kirk, who does like extremely, extremely detailed, like, pen and ink and graphite work mm. and like a lot of like, like pointillism too, where sure. it's like, just, you see like, Oh God, how long did that take? Like <laughs> I would, um, I, I don't have the ability to, to focus on something like that. I'd, I'd be like, well, I spent you know five hours and I've, and I've got a, a thing this big that's, <laughs> and I can't even tell what it's going to be yet. But yeah, yeah. Um, but I saw some of his work and, and it was like, oh, it's for sale at this gallery in Germany. And I just, it kind of, there's that, like, the switch turn. And I was like, I can own that? Like, I could buy the original piece? Like, this one-of-a-kind, unique piece by this artist that I admire? Like, I don't have to get a print. Um, I could I could have that. and And so... I, I did it and it showed up and, and, um, you know, it's still one of my favorite pieces today. Cause it's just mm. also the nostalgia of like, Oh, that was the first thing I, I got. And, um, and I remember telling my, my wife, like, okay, this is, this is so amazing. What if every year I bought a new piece of art and, you know, she's like, well, you know, don't get crazy. And, um, and then it was like just a drug hitting my system and I went bananas. <laughs> um, and now the whole house is an art gallery. Yeah. It's a good thing. She's not creeped out by it. You know, I mean, no, for the most part, no, there's, for there's the stuff, anything that lives in my studio has been declared like, like not fit for gen pop. Uh, (laughs) I know that since I've talked to you, I'm sure you've uh, had a number of other projects that you've worked on. So do you want to talk about some of the other things that that you've got that people can check out? And maybe next time we talk, I'll can, I can, you know, bring out some random questions from the past or something. But yeah, sure. I'll, um, I have to really be careful and make sure I'm not, you know, right. doing a, a a world premiere announcement here. Um, I would definitely cut it out (laughs) if that happened, just so you know. (laughs) You heard it here first. (laughs) 
so let's see. I just wrapped up a game that is so different for me uh, by the same developer as Dauntless. They oh. they recently announced their second game, uh, which is called Fay Farm, and it's this like cozy farming game with like some magic thrown in. Nice. And I honestly, when I was when I was asked to write this score. I thought this is so different from what I do and what I like to do. And I'm scared to even try because I don't know what I would do for this. Like, this is, you know, give me, give me another Bloodborne. Um, (laughs) Not a, not a cozy farming game. You know, it's like, you know, I write maybe three major chords a year (laughs) and And so I honestly tried to get out of it. Oh, wow. But I, but I didn't. And I am so glad I didn't because it has been such a wonderful experience. I bet. And it's the score is for uh, string quintet and oh, wow. four, um, four woodwinds and then some like guitar and piano and, and harp and mandolin and oh, cool. um, ukulele. I even whistled. I did my whistling debut on one track. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, barely even had to had to auto tune it. It was well it was done. that close. <laughs> Put that on your resume. Uh, but yeah, but the whole thing like there is is like nary a minor chord to be found. It is all like like just upbeat and charming, yeah. and um, it'll get your you know your toes toes a tapping in some places. I love that, but. So yeah, so I did this and it's so great too to to like tackle these fears, you know, head on creatively because now I feel like I've just got another kind of, you know, arrow in my in my quiver here yeah. that I can pull out. And and it was such a relief and a joy to work on too, instead of like the doom and gloom all the time and big orchestra and choir yep. and it's you know, it's it's exhausting, honestly. Um and to get to do something charming was just like so great. Anyways, that's coming out next year. I can't wait for you to hear it. I think you're gonna you're gonna love it. Oh, good. Um, yeah. And then on the opposite side of the spectrum, back to doom and gloom. <laughs> um, it was just announced that that I did music for another game coming out. I think next year called Lords of the Fallen Two. Oh, okay, um, yeah. Which is yeah. a very like Soulsborne mm-hmm. kind of game, and um, that one is a. Uh, kind of scary it's it's okay. <laughs> it's like big orchestral action but like super dark yeah so it that you need the yin and the yang you know it's like, like yes bay farm and lords of the fallen um <laughs> that helps keep me like on an even keel yeah i was curious if you noticed any kind of you know emotional difference from working on the farming game compared to something like Lords of the Fallen. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I still prefer to do the, you know, the darker stuff, but 100% when I, at the end of the day, after working on Fay Farm, I was, um, I was in a better mood. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and that's kind of a ringing endorsement for the music, right? I mean, just in general, like, <laughs> I mean, that's, I can't wait to hear it. I look forward to that. Um, yeah. I mean, what more do you want to say about Dauntless? There's so much music. Like, that's what I'm so curious about, not being a player of the game. Like, 
you know, it would be fun to be exposed to all the other stuff that I don't get to hear too. But, um, but yeah, what else? Yeah, do you, want to you know, there there is there's there's so much music in the game. I my my dream is for Dauntless to become this this international sensation. And there's already like there's like 20 million players or something. Nice, yeah. But if it could if it could get to you know legendary status, like. I would love so much to do a Dauntless concert because there's just, there's so much music and to go through and like cherry pick like an hour. That's my favorite. Um, And everything's been already, you know, orchestrated. And Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of good to go. Um, But yeah, I think that, you know, especially in games like this, where this, you know, sound design is, is so loud and, and you're, you know, when I'm playing a game, I'm usually, even if I set out to listen to the music, it's hard to, because, I'm in that game. I'm just, you know, mashing and <laughs> diving and rolling and strategizing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and the, and the music just gets lost. I'm like, oh, it's there. I can hear it. Yep. Um, but, you know, you're not listening to the nuances of it. And I'm, just, I'm really proud of, the, of what I've been doing for Dauntless. And I think that I, I feel like it deserves a, a good listen outside of the game to, to kind of hear. Yeah. Um, what I was trying to to tell everybody about. Yeah, and there are a lot of really fun details that pop out in that context as well. You know, if you just just sit and have a listen, you know, you'll hear a lot of really cool stuff. So, yeah, I sure enjoyed it. But thank you. Uh, yeah, well, thank you so much, Chris. It was so nice to talk to you and have you back on the show. I, 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 I feel more complete now in 2022 having talked to you. <laughs> so, it's it's nice to have you on as Wonderful. always. Yeah. Yeah, same same for me. It's uh, it's always a real pleasure to see you. Thank you for listening to Level with Emily. You can learn more about Chris, see a playlist, and support Level with Emily at patreon.com slash level. Check out the video of my chat with Chris Velasco on the Level with Emily YouTube channel. And please subscribe to that channel so you get all of our new videos and such. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com, made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services. Composer Brad Gentle manages our YouTube channel. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media Inc. Here at Level with Emily, we're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance. It features a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. You can hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.